Psalm 147, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and he gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord. Will you pray with me? Father God, you are great. Thank you for this scripture, God, that we are reminded to praise you, whether we're in the mountain or we're in the valley, God. We come before you and we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are our Father, that you give us hope and peace. And Lord, as we enter into a time of hearing from your word, I pray that uh, we are in an expectant mode, God, that our hearts are ready to hear and receive uh, your word. And so as Pastor Steve comes up, we just pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and those words would just flow out, God, and that we would leave this space transformed by you. God, we just give you the rest of this day and this time together. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. We're starting a new series today. Um, we just had a great time the past three weeks. Uh, we covered a passage from 2 Peter 1. Spent three weeks in that passage, and really, uh, I think it was an encouraging time for me. I like to say that um, even though I'm the one who's bringing that word each week or most of the weeks, um, I like to believe that I can be just as encouraged, maybe more encouraged or challenged um, than, than even you guys might be. And so I really had a great time. If nobody else did, um, I had a great time. And that's what matters, right? Just kidding. Um, but it really was a great three weeks. If you'd like to check it out, you can always, uh, we, we podcast all that. And so you can look for us uh, on podcasts and, and uh, listen to those at another time. But today, uh, we're going to start a new series on the Psalms called Rise. Um, it's not just a series that we're doing. At the end of the, the uh, month of February, on the last weekend of February, we're actually going to have a special weekend called Rise Weekend. And uh, that is going to be a time for us where we're not only going to have our regular Sunday service, but we want to do a worship night on Saturday night. Uh, we're going to record that and, and kind of have a moment together, like kind of mark that moment and record that evening together. We're going to have our uh, guest from out of town, one of our first guests that we've had. He's, uh, his name is Todd Cruz. He's the pastor of Manhattan Hillsong. He's a longtime friend of mine, and he's, he's going to be a, a, just a, he's an incredible blessing. Uh, he's going to be in here. And then we're also going to have our very first event for New City Youth that night. So that'll be the first thing we've done for that, and uh, that's going to be an exciting thing. On, that's February 23rd at the end of February. So we're kind of leading up to that with this series that we're doing, and we're talking about it from the book of Psalms. Now, for those of you who might not know, Psalms is the songbook of the people of God. Um, before there was Hillsong, and we've sung some Hillsong songs this morning, and I don't know what other ones that we did. I can't, if I thought I could tell you who the original artists were. Before there was any of that, there was the book of Psalms, and 150 of those Psalms became basically the hymnal for God's people for thousands of years, and it reflects so much about the experience that we have as people worshiping God, not just worshiping God in this kind of setting, corporately, but worshiping God in our day-to-day -day lives, which is really where the worship is taking place, if you didn't know. This is all just practice. This is all just warm-up for what we do when we go out 
from this place and we worship God with our lives. But the book of Psalms is rooted in the uh, wisdom books of the Bible, all right? And so I want to kind of walk through you because I think this might be interesting for you guys who wonder how these things are organized. I'm going to give you my own summary of what these books are. There's five books of wisdom in the Bible. You have a lot of historical books. You have a lot of uh, history of God's people. You have some different uh, different uh, prophetic books, but then you have the wisdom literature, and it starts with Job. And it's almost like the how-to book of the Bible. How to suffer is what we would say Job really teaches us. It's the truth. Secondly, in order here, we have the Psalms. And Psalms teaches us how to worship. Now, these are very broad categories, overgeneralizing here. But what I'm saying is Proverbs is next, and that's how to be wise. Okay? The next one is Song of Solomon. It's PG-13, all right? And it talks, it talks about how to love, Okay? The last one in there is Ecclesiastes, and this one, I believe, is how to enjoy life, all right, by not making too much of the things that are temporary, but focusing on what really matters. So Ecclesiastes is great. All five of these books give us wisdom, and, and wisdom, I think, would be, I, I, would, I would say it is competency in regard to the complex realities of life, okay? It's not just the difference between what's right and wrong. Because we know that when it really comes down to it, there is a certain simplicity to that. Maybe not on every issue, but some issues are, are pretty straightforward, and we all agree, and, and we know that doesn't make it easy necessarily sometimes perhaps to not lie, but we know that lying is not going to be right, and so that's a straightforward decision to make. But wisdom teaches us how to live in the gray area in a way that honors God. It, it teaches us how to deal with the, the complexities of life as they come to us. All throughout the scriptures, we are told to praise the Lord. And especially in the Psalms, we are instructed to praise God. Praise the Lord with me, it says. Oh, praise the Lord, you saints of God. The Bible is full of instructions to praise God. And it uses this word that I'm going to just throw out there today for you guys. And it might be your first time in church. You've certainly heard this word before, but you might not have really known what it means. But the word is Hallelujah, okay? Now, hallelujah just is a, an old, old word that means praise the Lord, okay? So it's not more complicated than that. It sounds very religious when you say it, but it's just an old word that means praise the Lord. So I'm going to invite you to say it with me. I'm going to, you just repeat it back to me. Hallelujah. Okay, that's pretty good. I, I like how that sounds because I, I heard some bass in there, which meant the men were participating, right? But I want to hear it real loud from you guys today because I'm going to call on you just like Celeste was doing. She, I, I said, Celeste, don't let them. Don't let them. They don't want you to worship. That's what I, I said. They don't, want, they, they don't want you to win. That's it. You know, I'm just kidding. I didn't tell you that. I, I'm saying don't let them sit out. She, so Celeste came out here, and she's like just trying to, to, to kind of grab you guys and say, let's go and worship God. And I'm going to do the same thing today. I want you to say it after me. Hallelujah. Now, at first glance, we might wonder why God insists that we praise him. Not to be irreverent about it, but it might seem perhaps that God is insecure or vain or worried about his public image that he would want us to have to praise him. Like he's up in heaven, you know, kind of I'm going to post this, feeling kind of cute. Uh, I don't know, I might delete. Um, you know, that kind of thing where maybe if you guys could just affirm me, if I don't get enough likes from everybody, then I'm maybe not feeling too great. That isn't what it is. God says, praise me, but he doesn't say so because he has an ailing ego. He does it because it's the right thing for you and me to do. 
And that's a wonderful place to say amen. Okay? It's the right thing. It's not because God needs us to, but because we need to praise God. So I'm going to give you a bunch of points today. And for those of you guys who are note takers, you're going to love today, all right? It goes like this. Point number one, praising God is exactly what we need. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse, Verse one says it's good to sing praises to our God. Why is it good? Because something happens when I open my mouth and praise the Lord. It breaks up that cynical, negative attitude that I can so easily fall into. Do you know what I'm talking about? It reminds me of the truth about who God is and what he has done for me. Even when things aren't going the way that I want them to, I still have something to celebrate. God's final word in all things, his love for his people, for me, for the world that he has made. I have something to celebrate, so many things to celebrate, even when things aren't going great for me. And so it's important to praise the Lord. Praise is exactly what we need. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Point number two, praise looks good on God's people. What does that mean? Well, you could wear a lot of things, but put praise on And the Bible says it's going to fit you well, right? Has anybody ever had trouble fitting into clothes? I'm sorry. It's it's January, so everybody's having trouble fitting into clothes, right? I mean, the bottom line is that we are always trying to, the Bible says praise will fit you well. You will never look as good as you do when you are praising God. I just want you to be sure about that. That is something that looks good on you. This book right here is not simply the way that sinners can escape judgment, but it is the way by which, through the mercy of God, broken human beings like you and me can be remade, can grow up into true Christ-likeness and to genuine humanness. This book celebrates the miracle of how God has chosen you and me, what I would call saints in the making, right, to bring his love, his wisdom, his creative goodness to bear upon the world. That's what the book talks about. And so we have a reason to praise God. I want to just say it like this. We don't believe that you are just here to get right with God. We believe that you're here to get on with God. Okay? Because there's one thing. Even the book of Hebrews talks about that. You just keep circling back around to this thing where we're getting right with God again and we're getting right with God. But this is the moment when we praise God, it's our way of kind of putting ourselves, dropping it into gear and saying, now it's time for me to get on with God, to walk with him, to learn a new way of being. Praise is the regular and reasonable response to the grace that I am receiving every day as a Christ follower. I, so I, said, I say it like this all the time because I, oh, I just want you to remember it. People get tired of hearing what I say, and I'm so thankful for it when they're like, you say that all the time. I'm like, that's great because I don't want you to forget it. <laughs> inhale grace and inhale the love of God and exhale praise. That's the rhythm. It's not just a week-to-week rhythm. It's not just a day-to-day rhythm. It's a moment-to-moment rhythm that says, I inhale the grace of God. And I exhale praise and thanksgiving. Everybody say, hallelujah. The more that that cycle continues in my life, the more I grow up into God's image. The better I start looking. God brings an inside-out beauty from us that works its way into our lives as we breathe in grace and we exhale praise and thanksgiving. See, when you get right with God and when you praise God, I'm the regular like that. I'm not talking about just in this moment. But when you live a lifestyle of praise, 
it's, it's almost like your, your life begins to get sorted out. You stop wasting your money on sin and stupid things. You, you, you drop the neti- negative, um, critical attitude that sometimes just characterizes certain people. You worry less. You complain less. Your face changes. What if your, wor- what if your words were used to complain less and instead you were praising more? What if your words were used less to criticize and more to praise? And not only that, then you become drawn to people who love the things that God loves. You you start looking better with praise on. Praise fits you well. And so you need to start praising God. You can brag about all kinds of stuff. People are bragging all the time. Stuff that doesn't matter. The country that they were born in. Well, they're black. They're white. Or they're something else. They're proud because they're tall or because they're beautiful or they're smart or athletic. And the bottom line is you just woke up most of the time and you were that way. You didn't do anything. Good for you. You know, if, if, you're, if you're white, congratulations. You didn't do anything to deserve that. If you're six feet tall, congratulations. You didn't do anything to deserve that. That was just a, it was an accident of nature and biology. But the bottom line is the Bible says don't brag about any of that stuff. Even in the New Testament it says, hey, it's not really about whether, you're, whether you've got money or status or what your, what your racial heritage is. It says the bottom line is, What matters is what Christ has done for you. Paul said it like this. If I'm going to boast in anything, let me boast in the cross of Christ. If I'm going to brag in anything, let me brag about God's grace toward me and toward you through Jesus Christ. That's the reason to brag today, and that's why we should be praising him. Everybody say hallelujah. Thirdly, praise is not praise until it's articulated. Gentlemen, if your wife looks good, but she has to ask you if she looks good, it's too late. (laughs) You missed your chance to praise her. Even if you might have been thinking it, you could say it. You've all tried to do that. I was was totally thinking, that's what I was going to say. I was about to say, it's too late. (laughs) You haven't, listen, if 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 you haven't actually spoken words of affirmation to your children, they don't know what you think. As a parent... Affirm your children and articulate it because it's not praise until it's articulated. The Psalms themselves were composed for public reading, just like what we did today when Jesus stood up here and read the scriptures out loud. They were meant to be read aloud. Even many times when I'm by myself and I'm reading the Psalms, I like to read them aloud. Out loud, because it just helps. I, kind of like a feedback loop. I get to read it with my eyes and speak it with my mouth and hear it with my ears, and it just keeps going in and out there, and it's good. You can praise with the words of a worship song, but when the music stops, there's another opportunity to praise. And I like Celeste today. She gave us a few moments, a few praise breaks there where she said, you know what? We're not going to sing any of these words together, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to praise the Lord because when the music stops, in between the words of the song is where you find out who the real praisers are. When we love something, we almost always have to talk about it, right? We, we always want to think of it when you see a great movie. You can't wait to the chan- when you get a chance to talk to somebody who also saw the movie. You want to talk about everything about it because when we love something, we want to share about it, express something about it because in talking about it and in telling about it is what really completes our enjoyment of it. That's the basis of every love song, Right? Baby, you're so beautiful, I've got to tell everybody about it. That's what it is. 
I got to tell you about it. I got to tell everybody else about it. That's the basis because it's in talking about it, in telling about it, in articulating it that we ourselves complete that enjoyment. Praise is the completion of my enjoyment of God. And it's not praise until it's spoken. Everybody say hallelujah. Fourth, you guys are wondering how many I have, and I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> Praise is better if it's thoughtful. I had an incredible experience being on safari once. I'm not really familiar. I know the big animals. I got the giraffes down, the elephants, right? But there's a bunch of gazelles that are always there. They're out there, and they're just deer with different antlers and whatever. And I, I'm not familiar with the differences, and so basically you'll see one, and you'll be like, oh, there's that, and there's another one It has also has four legs. That's cool. That one's short. That one has spots. That one looks mean and unreasonable. Whatever it might be, you can, you know, I just don't really know the difference between those things. But somebody who is there who has studied wildlife and knows what type of gazelle that is, they, they could tell you all about it. And they're always excited to, right? They'll tell you what its diet is. They can recall all the details about its environment, about its habits. They can appreciate that experience more because they understand it better. Your praise might be weak because your understanding of God is wanting. Your capacity for thoughtful praise is going to be limited only by your understanding of him. That's why in eternity, folks, we're not going to get bored of praising God. Some of you are really worried about it. You're like, what are we going to do? You know, because you know this life. Let me just tell you, you know this life, right? You're like, I know about working and you know, you know, got another day on the grind. We're going to go out there and get, you know, get that bread. We're going to, whatever we're going to do, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff. And, and, and we know about this life. And so we're worried a little bit when we hear about the next, because what are we going to do there? But let me just tell you the joy of praising God. And it's not, it's not that we aren't going to have relationships and friendships and other interactions. I can't really tell you. Well, I don't know much more than you do about it, but I'm confident of this. We are never going to tire of worshiping God. And we are always going to be growing up in our understanding of him, which is going to give us a new reason to praise him. It's the engagement of my mind and careful reflection on who God is, what he's done in history, and how I can respond to it. The more I know about God, the more thoughtfully I can worship and praise him. And folks, you can learn more. You might need to get yourself a Bible reading plan to help you read the Bible or join one of the learning groups that's coming up. Whatever that you can do to get a better understanding of God is going to give you a better praise as well. Everybody say hallelujah. So keep practicing a thoughtful praise. Five, praise is healing. I already tell you, I got 12 points. Just kidding, I don't. It goes on in 147, Psalm 147, it says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem and he gathers outcasts. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. At the time that this particular psalm was written, it's not one of David's psalms. It was written long after David. Jerusalem, the city, is in ruins. In 587 B.C., the Babylonians had marched on Jerusalem and they, they basically leveled the whole city, tore every stone down, carried God's people off into exile, and for generations they had wandered in idolatry, injustice, violence, all of this stuff that prophets had warned them about, and nobody listened. And now the nation was in ruins. I, I want to pause today and just make a comment. It's not, you know, it's not in our habit. We're, we're, we are not a, uh, I will say, 
I believe that the church should be political, but not partisan, if I could say that, because there are some issues in our culture that the church is going to speak to and needs to speak to. But I, I, I honestly and sincerely don't believe there is any party that really captures the essence of how we should be talking. So I'll just say it like that. But I think that our nation is at a crossroads. At our prayer night this, uh, past, this month, we sought God on behalf of our nation. We prayed about and repented for the injustices in our nation, for the inequality, for the selfishness that we've allowed to persist. We repented for the violence. And I mean this. We said on behalf of our nation, God, we repent for the violence, for the racism, for the indifference to the poor and to the hurting. And we prayed that God would forgive our sin and heal our land. This week, I think there are a lot of us here, maybe if you were aware of it, that were grieved and alarmed at the passing of a law in New York State. And I just felt like I needed to mention it today. It opened the door for late-term abortions at the discretion of doctors and others. And nearly every restriction against the taking of an unborn life was removed in the name of reproductive rights. I, I believe that believe that that's, there's, there, there's going to come a moment where we are going to have to speak out more clearly about this. A few weeks ago, we talked about God's love for what we call the quartet of the vulnerable, his love for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. And I can think of no more vulnerable life than the life of the unborn. And the brazenness of this law to allow for the killing of what would otherwise be a viable human life ought to be a gut check for us as God's people. I, I, just was, I just was reminded, I just, I just was reminded when Moses, I'm, I'm sorry, when, when uh, Jesus was conceived and Mary visited Elizabeth, it was Elizabeth's unborn child who rejoiced in the womb when Mary greeted her. One of the first to rejoice in the coming of the Savior was an unborn child. Please remember that the Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. No hatred for those people who've advocated on behalf of this. But you and I, I think we are supposed to advocate for these issues of justice and compassion in our culture. and Take responsible action as citizens and participants in a democratic process. But we should remember that there, underneath all this, there is an evil in our world that deceives, that misleads, and that peddles death in the name of human advancement. A wolf coming in sheep's clothing, Jesus said. He said that there is a thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but he came to bring life and life abundant. And so our job is to stand on behalf of that life abundant and to speak truth in love and to provide an alternative that's supportive, loving, and redemptive, all right? Now, I said more than I really anticipated saying about this here today, but I just want to say that I, I want you to note something in this. Every time God prepares to move, there is an evil that is unleashed on the unborn. It happened when Moses was born. It happened when Jesus was born. I believe, though, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so it's appropriate for us in the midst of this because some of you are like, how can I praise God in the middle of this? How can I praise God when I see violence like I see, when I see uh, you know, greed like I see, when I see corruption, when I see this kind of, this kind of uh, uh, disregard for life like I see? How can I praise God in the midst of it? And I would remind you that just because this is happening does not mean that God is not in control and that God will not have the final word. We can praise God because he has promised that if we pray, he will hear us. We can praise him because, like I said, at the moment that we see all of this, the enemy unleashing his worst, that's when we know God is about to unleash his best. Amen?
Psalm 147 says that the Lord will build up Jerusalem and gather the exiles. And so to do that, waste and rubble is going to be cleared away. Boundaries and walls are going to be reestablished. Exiles are going to be brought back. It's going to take some time, but the Bible says, praise God, because he gathers up the exiles and rebuilds us. Do you know why we can praise the Lord? I think there are people in this room right now whose lives were a heap of rubble until they began to practice praise. And then the God of grace began to rebuild, to clear away the rubble brick by brick, stone by stone. He began to sort things out, set the boundaries, restore a right worship. See, he's the rebuilder of broken lives. He's the rebuilder of broken relationships. He's the gatherer of lost people. Say hallelujah. It doesn't matter how far away people go, God can bring them home. Parents, it doesn't matter how far your son or your daughter has wandered. Keep praising God and praying for him because he can gather them up. Say hallelujah. There is no pain that is so deep today that Christ is not deeper still. There is no wound that is so severe today that it cannot be healed by the grace of God. There's no heart so broken that God can't mend it. Everybody say hallelujah. He's so rich in mercy that even when we are a mess... And even if it's a mess of our own making, he'll move heaven and earth to start that process of rebuilding in our lives. The work God is doing in you and me to rebuild is going to require a lifetime of devotion. But God's intention is to break the patterns of sin that have visited your family for generations. I want you to see it. You practice praise. You begin to live in worship, and God will break those patterns of divorce, infidelity, abuse, whatever it might be. He is going to rebuild the ruins that are there. Praise the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six. You say, I thought he was going to wrap it up. He counts the number of stars and gives names to all of them. I'll just say this, and we are nearing a conclusion here. But you and I have a special responsibility in praise. We have been called to lead creation in joyful praise of the creator. We have a unique capacity among all of God's wild and beautiful creation to understand and to articulate the truth about who God is. Our job then is to gather up all of creation's praise and bring them to God to sum it up in thoughtful articulation. I'm saying in words. Do you know the creation is already praising God? Let me just start small as I can here today. Hydrogen atoms. You see them? Just kidding. (laughs) They emit 100 separate frequencies. The electron shell of the carbon atom, the basic structure for life as we know it, emits the same musical scale as a Gregorian chant. You guys are like, I'm not sure about that. Just listen. A metal lark has a range of 300 notes. Take that, Mariah. There's, that's more than three piano scales. These are all things. Whale songs travel 4,000 miles underwater. And now this is a cool thing that I read a couple of years ago. They've learned that whale songs are learned by whales and resung by whales. And so the popular ones will make it all the way around the world. So there's actually whale pop songs. That's what we're talking about. They'll hear a song, and if they like it, they will re-sing it. Think about that. 
Earthworms produce rhythmic sounds. Crickets, well, you've all heard crickets before, but one thoughtful scientist decided to slow down those cricket sounds, the ones that, we, that are in our garage and keep us awake at night, and approximate the rate of that sound to, to the lifespan of a human being. So they slowed that sound down, and here's what it actually sounds like when crickets make that noise. That sounds like praise to me, right? The earth itself, we know from scientists, has a resonance to it. Day and night, it hums along at its own frequency. The sun's coronal loops, these are all things that I pulled from articles, are like, they're 60,000 kilometers long. It's like a big guitar string that vibrates and creates frequencies that one scientist called a musical ensemble. And then CNN reported this, about, uh, I think I, I got this article like 10 years ago. NASA had de detected the deepest ever note generated in the cosmos. They said it's a B-flat flying through space 50 octaves below what the human ear can detect, right? All from the activity around black holes where matter is accelerated to nearly light speed and then certain stuff escapes from that and scientists believe that that stuff sounds like music. They said this, the cosmos produces collectively a symphony of inaudible tunes. Think of that. Everything in the universe from the most terrifying, mysterious, and massive object to the smallest electron is right now sounding off in praise to the creator. Just think about that and say hallelujah. Psalm 148 says this, praise the Lord, praise him from the heavens, praise him from the heights above, praise him all his angels and all of his heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him shining stars, praise him highest heavens and waters above the skies, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds like we know so well, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and cattle, small creatures and flowers birds, kings of the earth and all nations, princes and rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. Praise the Lord. Say hallelujah today. Stand up with me. Your job is to gather up these songs and to give them lyrics for God's glory and for your joy. See, this is the end game that God has in mind. His praise is creation's joy. When you live in worship, when you live a life of worship before the Lord, that's a life, that's synonymous with a life of joy. The book of Revelation gives us a glimpse into the future when creation, that same creation that we talked about, now out of tune because of our sin, when God has finally put back together you and me and put creation back into tune, when brokenness and longing have turned to joy and jubilation, this is what it looks like right here. It says this, Revelation 5. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. I don't think that we can put words, I don't think that we have it in our minds to be prepared for the joy of that moment. And until we really get this, you guys, I think we, are, we will be wallowing around in, this, in today's sorrows. I don't know this is a thing that a sermon can get to you because I, I am of the conviction that God wants to bring that joy to you right now. Paul said that the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit among us, is to convince you and give you a foretaste, just a down payment, just a little bit of a sense of how wonderful and marvelous and glorious that day will be in His presence. Just to get a taste of it is enough, folks. As a matter of fact, God knows us well enough to know that in our present state, we're not even prepared for heaven. There's going to be too much joy to bear. These broken bodies can't do it. God's going to give us new bodies. But we can taste it right now. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some of you, you've wondered, you say, this is very, this is very experiential, Steve. You're getting really worked up about this. But I really believe that's what we are called to. It's not just a matter of reflection in our minds. It's a whole person engagement. And if our hearts don't, if, if it doesn't get lit in here, if our hearts don't turn up a little bit and say it's time to praise God right now, if we don't start practicing our praise right now, then where else are we going to praise God? Say hallelujah. 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 So point number seven. That's it. This is the last one. Keep practicing your praise. Get your heart in tune and praise the Lord.